Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 108. Tonight, we are wandering a bit from music and digging deep into comics. Sandman, Moon Knight, and underrated comics of our choice. Joining me in the fun tonight is JPP. Easy listening sounds for the hard of hearing. It's JPP. Welcome. Oh, man, such pressure. Greetings. How's it going, world? Well, I'm not the whole world, but it is going very well. Well, you have the world on your shirt, so I figured. I do. The world of Marvel. All right. Even though we're, I guess we're kind of talking about a little Marvel tonight. Yeah. All right. Guess who's joining us? Uh, Too late. Know, but I... Step inside into his mind. It's boy band time. It's... Metalhead Mundy. Man. Welcome, Mr. Mundy. I don't know why you neck is sore out. every time, man. My neck gets so sore. <laughs> so that, is it the whiplash? The head banging? <laughs> it's so darn catchy. Yeah. Every week he asks me, hey, guess who else is here? And I always forget. I'm sorry. I can see that. <laughs> well, joining us, been on a bit of a hiatus, but it's none other than tea bags. Swinging deep into the valleys of Liptonia. That's nasty. Able to plunge from high altitudes only to land with a gentle splat. That's nasty. Receiving only the finest education from his instructor, Earl Grey. It's. It's. Tea bags. Too hot for TV. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Use that. Got a drop in. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, props for spontaneity, but next time, make, Tony, make sure you're all like soaking wet when you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Done deal. Well, gentlemen, this is kind of a fun episode for us, and we have a special guest. It's none other than the Grand Poobah himself, Groovy Guy. Sorry we don't have an intro. He needs none. It is Sean Hilton. How you doing? Hey. What's going What's up, on? Man? Yeah, a bunch of sexy bearded uh, fellows here. Very oh, nice. Yeah. A lot of product I see going on out there. You guys are filling the ozone all by yourself there. It's like 1980s chick hair, except it's gone to guys' beards. It's, it's going Good. this way, not this Dig way. It. Right. And out my ears now at my age, but we won't get into that. Yeah, this is How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Good. Great. Looking Great. good. Thank you. You as well. I love the shirt. It's very dapper. Makes me want to feeling good, Lewis. Yeah, it makes me want to uh, chill in a hammock and enjoy a nice little beverage with some palm trees. I need all my clothing to be tax write-off. So the uh, palm trees all say <laughs> comics cubed all oh, over yes. it. So yes. That's lovely. <laughs> Do you have any nice. clothing that does not say comics cubed now? I mean, I think it's the only piece right now, but I just take oh, a magic marker to, you know, everything on the inside so I can then claim it as the tax write-off, maybe. <laughs> My accountant says it's not a great idea, but, you know, we'll find out. <laughs> well, clearly we have invited you on tonight because we are kicking off our first of 75 episodes to cover Sandman. I know, it's oh, crazy, you're isn't the whole it? thing. We're reading the whole thing, baby. Oh, We're holy starting cow. And going all the way wow, through. that's yeah. hardcore. It is impressive. Now, are you going to read well, like one a month, one a week? <laughs> okay, so you're not going to do it in the order like it came out. 
No, it, we might be dead by the time we finished it at that rate. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah, we're thinking. Uh, so obviously, feel free to drop in anytime you want to talk about an issue. Sure, anytime you'll have me. Only for sure. Before we get started, why don't we let you have a little bit of time here to do a quick pitch for the reason you're on the show? You own a comic shop. Woohoo! You know what do you own? Tell us about it. Some people have jobs. I own a comic book store, and it's working out pretty well for me. So you can check us out in the heart of downtown Kokomo at Comics Cubed 121 East Sycamore, one of the crown jewels of what we like to call Geek Street. Comics Cubed is a real brick-and-mortar store, and it is open Wednesday through Saturday from noon to 5. We do live shows, which you see running through uh, the bottom of your screens right there. And what that means is we go on Facebook using this exact same thing you're seeing here, but we sell comics. It's like QVC meets a comic book show with me mouthing off about stuff with Metalhead Monday as uh, our engineer handling all the heavy lifting. I'm so, the hands. I'm as the hands. for he is, he's the hands. Uh, Joel Harsh is a good friend as well. He helps out a lot. Uh, as for my qualifications, I've been reading comic books since uh, the summer of first and second grade. I am going to be turning 50 this year. And uh, out of my working life, I started working in a comic book store, uh, I think, my junior year of high school. And between then and now, there's been maybe six months where I have not actively worked in a comic book store. So, Wow. wow. That is impressive. It's a good time. It was wow. much better than when I was a inventory specialist for a hot minute. That other <laughs> six months. And that Oof. made me decide, maybe this comic thing is uh, it should figure a way to make it work out. I remember working at at least one store, seeing uh, your dad and his crew come in with uh, the inventory people. (laughs) I, I, yeah, I did that for just, just a little bit. And then I would volunteer to count the worst thing in whatever store, whatever the worst thing. If if you went into like a sporting goods store, I was like, I'll be in fishing hooks because I could just park myself. And that's where I was all night long. Everybody else like little bees running around the store, getting all stuff done, feeling good about it. And I'm like, yeah, I got to count every single pee in this bag kind of deal. So I was that guy. So, yes, comic books are definitely uh, the way to go. I've worked in Massachusetts in comic books and I've worked in two stores in Kokomo. But come on down to Comics Cubed. We're more than happy to get you hooked up with a subscription, save you 10 percent off. At least three of these gentlemen are uh, fairly active customers. So I would say it's okay. You have to figure out which of the four are uh, customers and which one isn't. It's a game that uh, they're going to be playing from now on. So, And you ship. It's worth saying you ship all over the world. You do that it, all the time. So. We yep. do. Thank you. Yes. Uh, if the United States Postal Office will bring it to you, I will put it in the mail and I will get it to you. Fantastic. So what you're saying is you know a little something about comics and uh, you might be able to weigh in on the conversation tonight. I'd love to. Let's uh, Let's do it. Let's do Again, it. Thanks All right. for having me. I appreciate it. It's a lot oh, of fun. Yeah. Well, it is exciting because we are starting with Sandman issue number one. Here is the a cover. Sorry, we're all small. I'm not going to leave this up there, but this is the first issue of Sandman. And I think we have, each of us also have additional different versions of it. I know Monday's got a large book. I know I too have... A rather large book. And I think Sean was working with a, a large one as well, correct? Yes. So mine is the annotated Sandman, which comes with lots of cool little details, background things that 
you don't have to know to enjoy the story, but if you do know them, it kind of makes a little more sense and you kind of know where Neil Gaiman was coming from. So that's kind of cool. Mundy, what, what did you have there? Well, I do have, I'm a huge Sandman fan. I, I am two issues shy of owning the entire series of singles. Unfortunately, it's number three and four and those are going to be pricey, but I'll find them eventually. <laughs> uh, today I was reading... This is the Sandman Omnibus Volume 1, and this is, like, bigger than... I mean, I could kill someone with this. This is the first half of... This is 37 issues of Sandman right here. Yeah, and the first issue isn't a wimpy 20-issue or 20-page one like current books. This was a 40-pager. It was dense. Yeah. There's a lot to it. So, Mr. Comic Book Store Owner, why don't you kick us off? What would you think? What is uh, something you noticed from issue number one? I think there's, I mean, this is a book that's discussed in college courses. This is a book that's been around 1989 and has in, uh, influenced uh, the culture of comic books itself. And there's a lot to, to take in from the background, which you would have got reading the annotated stuff, uh, which had a lot of uh, background in it as well. Um, so there's a lot going on with it. It is a beautiful book. Sam Keith's art is not the Sam Keith that I think he evolves into as we go forward. Uh, This is Sam Keith doing what feels like an impersonation of Bernie Wrightson, in my opinion. And if uh, you were to read Sandman without knowing anything else about it, but being a big DC horror fan from the 60s and 70s, that first issue feels a lot like a really nice House of Mystery story. Uh, or House of Secrets, and almost has like the twist, the ending. It's set up like that, and then uh, you know, of course, you know, continued for what seventy-five issues. But I, yeah, I would, uh, I'd love people if you're going to do a reread of it, think of uh, again House of Mystery, House of Secrets, and then see if you think that that compares. Because as I was rereading it, as a big fan of those books, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, this feels like an homage. Yeah to those from the art style to some of the panel placement to the story itself of you know death in this case actually being dream being captured uh that that's what it felt like to me yeah i agree i you touched on the art and that's uh, any comic fans that are watching if you most likely know sam keith from his image comic the max this artwork is not that it is not nearly as stylized and I think uh, a lot of the the style that you're talking about, Sean, can be attributed also to the inker, which was, and I never, I don't know how to say this name, is it Mike Dringenberg or Dringenberg? I don't know, but he does the inks on this. And I think uh, he kind of uh, contributed to the overall look. I mean, obviously the inkers do, but eventually Sam Keith goes away and Dringenberg takes over on pencils. So the art changes a lot, but. Yeah, these first few issues is uh, they're, you know, it's all kind of dark and broody and uh, very, very good art team. Yeah, I, I also thought, too, when you're just speaking about the art, there were some cool times where they switched the view and you were now seeing Dream's view and they were all in circles, um, which was kind of oh, yeah. cool. The, without the this nice direction. Glass thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was really cool direction, I think, as far as uh, setting up the pages went. And, um, you know, another cool thing about this issue is it lasted, what, 70 years? Was that roughly think, the timeline uh, from beginning to start, end? 
starts in 1916 and i think it's supposed to be like modern day at that time which was 1988 89 89 yeah so it gets out lots of <laughs> lots of time passes in one issue it's not like your typical modern one where you get a lot of buildup and nothing really happens it just sets up what's going to happen later this thing was mm -hmm. like chock full of of setup of actual happenings um yeah and it has like a clear direction going forward with lots of little things that we know are going to pay off eventually yeah one thing that i always thought was cool uh was it you know it follows the was it like the three or four people that fall asleep or have sleeping disorders because dream is trapped and he's not able to do his function or whatever and i think it's uh what's her name is it unity kincaid yes yeah unity kincaid that character i believe so <clears throat> while she is sleeping she has she's like in this coma that nobody knows why and uh she's actually this is a little little touchy but she's actually raped while she's asleep and ends up having a child because of that and that child shows up in a later storyline so i mean this uh, this is like world building 101 i mean nothing is thrown away nothing is disposable like it, it all comes back around sean you had the annotated version too did you like the fact that it gave away that tidbit in the annotated version i don't know if i needed to know that that child shows up later in the story so my thing with anything you have an annotated version or that deluxe oversized edition because that's also not in color um you know it's oversized it's a coffee table book right. you've mm -hmm. the the vast majority of people would have read sandman and this is a discussion piece or you know something True. a little different it's for it's for fans yeah, yeah i wouldn't like if somebody came in my store and like oh i haven't read sandman yet i want to read it where do i start i would not hand them that book right so yeah I, I i wouldn't be offset by that because again i think it's set up to be more of a, a discussion piece for people who've already read it but yeah if you're reading that the first time uh, that's that's a little wild so yeah yeah tony what'd you think well, I don't have the extensive uh, comic knowledge that you guys have. So, uh, but I did read this like back in like 1992. Um, don't, don't uh, rake me over the coals for this, but I remember reading a Tori Amos article <laughs> and that's how I kind of got oh, turned yeah. on to him. That's all right. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. So, um, but what I thought was interesting was uh, from an artist's perspective, more than a comic uh, lover's perspective was one, um, kind of the balls that it takes to do something dark and kind of out there. I mean, we're used to it now with Netflix series and all this stuff, but we're talking like 1989 and forging through on something. And then it being the first, the first of anything like an album or the first issue of something like you don't know that it's going to gain fans and you, you don't know anything about it. You're just putting it out there because that's what you want to do. And so it was really cool to see that like the concept of capturing, you know, trying to capture death, but capturing, you know, dreams and nightmares was it still kind of resonated today with me which was cool yeah. is jpp um okay he'll be back at the end of this part i think is that correct i think so yeah i'm just going to remove him from the screen so yeah. we're a little bigger yeah Ooh, look at that see all my, that real estate all everybody in the back <clears throat> does my pointy hair fit in the camera looks good okay thanks. i mean oh. you you have it so 
Okay. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, One of the things to, to consider when thinking about Sandman, because everybody knows this is kind of the Vertigo flagship title, except yes. when Sandman came out, Vertigo didn't exist. In fact, it didn't exist until Sandman was like halfway through its series. So mm, yep. um, this, it, and some people, oh, it paved the way. Well, it, it is definitely um, an amazing work, but John Constantine Hellblazer came out before Sandman did and eventually also goes on to become Vertigo. We're, we were kind of in the middle of the English-British uh, invasion at this point. Yes. We had a lot of creators, mostly writers, coming over from uh, England and the European area and doing these kinds of books. And it almost became almost a mm -hmm. shtick where you had John Constantine Sandman and all these other kind of dark books that they were um, kind of being drawn to, or at least almost recruited. So it, it did seem a little odd as a comic guy, like, oh, here comes another British guy. I bet it's going to have, mm -hmm. and, you know, that kind of a feel to it. But um, Taron Berger was the editor on the first mm -hmm. Sandman and all the way through, as far as I can remember, but was also the, the guiding force behind what would become Vertigo. And to this day, they've just yep. recently in the last you know decade or so abandoned Vertigo and went to another direction. And it's one of the few mistakes I think DC has made. I don't see why you rename such a yeah. cultural icon. So that's just seemed odd. Did. Another thing I really liked <clears throat> before we wrap up talking about the art, there were some, some panels in there that, on the surface could seem not throwaway, but just very basic, but had so much detail that if you missed it, especially with, um, oh, what's the character's name who was with, um, uh, the guy who stole the items, stole the pouch. Oh, is, uh, the mistress Ellie. Was her name Ellie? No, that she was, that was one of the girls that was affected by the dream stuff. No, I'm talking. Okay. Yeah. There, but the girl who was his mistress yeah. shows up and she's wearing, all of those items, including that eyeball yes. pendant, you know, around her waist, you know, and so it was just kind of cool. If you didn't really pay attention to the art, you missed out on something that was super important. So I love that the artist put those in there, and I'm sure Neil obviously it's Ethel. Had a, Ethel, I said Ellie. That was close. It was it with was me. Ethel Crips. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna give you credit, partial credit. Yes. Yeah. Some but anyway, those, so that was, uh, that was cool. you know. Sorry, didn't mean to walk on you. Uh, some of those, Sean, you were talking about the British invasion. I had the big ones I remember. Is, I mean, like Alan Moore was on Swamp Thing. Yeah, Neil Gaiman came in. I think uh, Jamie Delano yes. was one of the big Con Constantine guys. He was my guy. I uh, thought, Pete, like, this is the guy. Yeah. Uh, Peter Milligan, I yep. think, mm -hmm. was one at that time. He was. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of – it really was. I mean, just all these – crazy authors coming out of well that was Brandon grant morrison and, and uh Garth grant Dennis morrison yes over around then yep. um yeah yeah so definitely um tony do you have any uh thoughts you're an artist did you have any thoughts on the art before we close that out well i love the style anyway but you kind of you kind of brought a point that i wanted to make which was as a as a reader and just reacquainting myself with it, I forgot like how easy it was to see when you, when you were seeing through his eyes with the circles, I think that was a really nice touch. And then yeah. I just, I kind of like the style that it's just very, 
Um, honestly, my background with comics was just like GI Joe or Spider Man here and there or something. <laughs> you know, so like to see art that was that I considered to be actual kind of like fine art, um, in the way that I liked it, that was uh, I loved it and I still love it. I would hang it, and I think there's I don't know if this is true. This is just me. But if you've ever read The Thief of All was by Clive Barker, mm -hmm. he has his own artwork in there. And there's a similar, like, very sketchy yeah. style. Yes. Uh, actually, yeah, Clive Barker's artwork, I would say, is very similar to Neil Gaiman's artwork. Like, when Neil Gaiman does sketches, it looks a lot like that sketchy style that Clive Barker does. Yeah. And you yeah. touched on, like, the readership, what you were reading, like the G.I. Joe and all that stuff. This this book, Sandman, actually, I think, was responsible for changing who was reading comics a lot because it, it brought in a lot of female fans. It brought in um, especially like college age female fans. Um, and just it, there are tons of people out there that I'm sure you could find that Sandman may be the only comic they've ever read because they heard about it somewhere. And, you know, the, the Tori Amos connection that she mentions Neil and the Dream King in one of her mm -hmm. songs and that yeah. they became friends and she's done introductions for collected editions and all kinds of stuff. So there, there was a lot of ways in to Sandman that I think weren't there for a lot of like I, I call it mainstream comics, I guess. It was a I gateway for hipsters. <laughs> yeah <laughs> really i have a quick question for you guys since i wasn't in the scene how long did you have to wait and where did you guys get your comics from like well salmon in particular i got them from that guy okay <laughs> uh sandman i got no the first times i got it was library I was reading the trades um i did not buy it as it was coming out i was in college at the time and i wasn't buying any books yeah. at that point when i was in i actually I came in exactly like I showed you guys this book earlier. This has the first 37 issues of Sandman. Mm -hmm. When I discovered it in the wild, I came in on issue 38. I think I noticed it in the comic shop and I was like, that cover's badass because all of the Dave McKeon covers <laughs> yes. are badass. And I, But then I noticed that it was in the middle of a storyline so I didn't pick it up and I waited until the next one started and I started at issue 38, started reading that, absolutely loved it. And then I went back and bought the trade paperbacks of like the, the first half of what ended up being the first half of the series. So I came in about halfway through, was a huge fan, went back and read it all and I've been in love with it ever since. That's yeah. cool. I was busy putting it on the shelves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I came and go towards stuff and in and out. So again, I was a big junk. John Constantine was my guy. Um, and I just missed Swamp Thing. I, I would have, I think, loved that Swamp Thing run that Alan Moore and mm -hmm. Stephen Bissett were doing. I just happened to miss it. Um, it's one of those things where you, when you're in the comic book store all the time, people are like, oh, you get all chances to read it you want. Well, that's not true. We're you know, actually busy, busy doing stuff. So um, there are certain books. And then sometimes things sell out. Like often to this day, I own a comic book store. Yeah. I sell out of a book before I can read it. I'm like looking through mm -hmm. people's folders going, who didn't pick theirs up yet? So I can get a ch quick chance <laughs> to read this book. Um, so, you know, and as Mundy said, it did bring in, I would say ElfQuest and Sandman brought in more female readership of mm. that uh, late teens to early 20s into your 30s um, female demographic than anybody else did. 
In fact, the only time I've ever seen what I would almost say felt like comic groupies was at a comic con where Neil was at in Michigan. <laughs> I mean, people were lining up with Union Jack socks and uh, I was like, who are all like the young hottie thing? What's going on? What is that about? And then in walks in the middle of a Michigan summer, it's like 95 degrees. And he is like in the middle of the, the run of Sandman. It's super hot. He's wearing all black leather coat, the whole nine yards. And I'm just like, all right, well, you're cool as hell, but I can tell you you're hot, man. Cause that ain't comfortable, but he pulled it off and super nice guy. That's the other thing is, you know, we're talking about all the art, but I mean, Guyman himself is, he is a legend and the things that he's done that I helped th this, this helped him catapult that career into the stratosphere, yes. yeah. but his talent has obviously led him to almost every form of entertainment you can possibly think of. This man has entertained people with, so it's really, really impressive. Yes, Lacey and I have tickets to go see him. I, I think it's billed as an evening with Neil Gaiman. I have no idea. I'm assuming he'll be doing some reading and who knows what else. But we're going to go see him at Butler next month. So yep, we'll exciting. be there with you. Yo, yeah, yeah, you're going to. May 16th. I know you have a very high-grade first print number one, Metalhead Monday. Are you I going sure to do. be taking it with you in hopes of trying to get it signed? I don't think so. Uh, okay. He there, there was a meet and greet option with the tickets, so I don't know that he'll just make himself available gotcha. like that. And I probably wouldn't take that anyway. I would take like a a book yeah, or like a yeah something. Not just curious. Not the actual issue. <laughs> I would take it. <laughs> I would bound it up pretty good, but I would take it. And I'd hide in the bushes and wait <laughs> until it came out. <clears throat> I actually have, there was a, there was a Sandman, I think, I think it's called Endless Nights or something like that. It was a hardcover that was, a, it was basically a story for each member of the Endless. So there's like eight stories in it and each, each story has a different artist. And I took that and I met one of the artists and I had him sign it. So that's it's signed by Bill Sinkevich, who is my all-time fave. So I would probably take something like that. So then it would be signed by Sinkevich and Neil Gaiman. So. And how much room did that Sinkevich signature take up? <laughs> so if you... Not like, as much uh, as Walt Simonson with his dinosaur. Oh. So you have this book here. And yep. like you say, you know, make sure there's no boobs on this. Boobs. <laughs> uh, so like you open it to... There's a two-page spread that has the title on it, and Bill signed it across both pages. Oh. <laughs> it is a massive signature. Yeah, he's. I've got his things signed to him too, and it's it's a it's it is a piece of art with just his autograph. Yeah, and he signs it in like a paint pen, so yes. you have to wait for it to dry. You can't just you or you know, don't, that. and you live with disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> autograph, and that he swings the arm as he signs it, or anything like that. <laughs> Not a flourish. Oh. He's super nice, though. That's cool. Yes. Um, so back to the story a little bit. It was cool that he used real people. Alistair Crowley, uh, the Burgess yeah. character, was based on a real person, which I well, think he actually really... mentioned him, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say. He actually yeah, mentioned then... him, too, like they had competing groups or mm -hmm. something. Yeah, yeah. And usually you see like Rasputin gets used over and over and everything. But it was nice to see, you know, these sort of 
uh, magical groups or people that get together and dabble in magic kind of competing with each other that was kind of cool it, it definitely felt like a ode to like the golden dawn and those particular groups definitely i mean they even i forget what the name is they have a name like that group yeah. they you know they have a title so yeah i can't i'm not picking that book up to look it up <laughs> somebody else can pick up a smaller version <laughs> one of the story points that i find kind of interesting is that the guy who actually like set it all up captures him ends up uh you know I, spoilers are we spoiling yeah we're I spoiling mean, the book oh, yeah, stopped in like you know 1990 <laughs> something i think so uh i mean the guy who's the 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 catalyst is all dies of old age mm -hmm. yeah so like he never pays for his crimes his son does. Course, you know, it happens later on. Whereas the son has to live out his entire life in the shadow of what happened and all this. And then towards the end of it, he's the one that actually ends up paying for the crimes of his father. And I just thought it was interesting that he, yeah. I mean, the one guy pretty much gets off scot-free. Yeah. I, I thought this title, this issue could have been titled Sins of the Father or something. I mean, he's got, you know, like you said, Alex, the son, gets stuck with eternal waking he wakes up from nightmares only to find out that he's still in a nightmare forever. Uh, that would be so yeah. brutal. So you're right. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that the father uh, wasn't punished in some way by, you know, having to try to fulfill what he wanted before, you know, sure. being waited out the entire time. So he spent his entire life wanting something he never got. Yeah, his whole point was to try to trap <clears throat> death, and then they got Dream instead. So they basically they were trying to cheat death, and they got the wrong person or personification, I guess. And uh, yeah, so he he didn't get what he wanted. So he was kind of had to grow old knowing that he screwed up. <laughs> so yeah. what was Hathaway thinking when he gave him the book after his son already died? Was he hoping that somehow capturing death would bring his son back, or just? Was he more altruistic? It was going to stop death moving yes. forward. I think that was the point. Yes, he was a grieving father, and he was like, you know, that was his last ditch effort, and you know, they screwed him over. So, yeah, I assumed at first he was going to try to somehow get his child back, but that didn't yeah. seem like a very plausible plan. I guess maybe you could be all over the place since you're dealing with the death of a loved one, but yeah, that was. Well, you say child, but this was, I think, at the beginning of World War, or we were in the middle of World War One. So yeah, I'd been his kid was a soldier or something. So yeah, and the one kid waking was what fourteen died at sixteen, uh, yes. or that fell asleep and whatever. Soldier. Yes. One of the victims of of Dream being captured. So that was cool, and I forget the name of, it, but it's based on an actual condition, the the sleeping. Oh, it's in here. It's a it's yeah. It's in, a, they name it a, at one point. I can't remember it's what it's a, called. Encephalitis, though. a kind of encephalitis, isn't it? Something like that. They do. They do. I don't know. I can. I'll probably find it here in a second. But it's yeah. One of them is given. They say she suffers from some kind of specific kind of encephalitis, but I'm not seeing it yet. It'll take me a while to find it. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, here it is. Encephalitis lethargica. <laughs> and she said she so she's basically in a coma and she wakes up four or five times a year. I subscribe to all 26 volumes of that. <laughs> <laughs> no way. 
Lethargica sounds so made up. <laughs> I need a font on my shirt. It's like how do you how do you make a word sound Latin? You put ICA at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true, actually. So did anybody here not enjoy this issue? I wanted to, but damn my library for uh, denying me access to my content and login. Um, So, and I've had a chaotic weekend, so I didn't get a chance to hunt it down elsewhere. But I may have to see if there's any existing copies through a certain comic book shop that I could perhaps order to uh, catch up and get the ball rolling. They are putting out a new a new trade paperback edition that we have on order. And in fact, starting next week, the new Sandman like universe begins with the very first issue. Speaking my so, language. Um, in fact, I was hoping to do some with you guys to give away one of the variant covers. Cool. Ooh, Sweet. Right. Nice. That I hope I win. Oh, wait. Did you guys all dig it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite. This this book made me like a lifelong fan of Neil Gaiman. So, I mean, I have every comic of his that I could ever get my hands on, e- even the Alice Cooper comic book that he did. <laughs> so, yep, I mean, I and I've got tons of his novels and short story collections, and uh, we're going to see him. So, obviously, I, I kind of liked it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I remember in high school, maybe in junior high, I can't remember exactly when in that window of our time together, you had set up yourself on a sci-fi book club. And I oh, yes. It was a referral thing, and you got a break or a couple of free books if you referred a friend, and I signed up. And to your recommendation, I picked up Good Omens as one of my copies. Oh, so good. Still love So it good. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's one of my favorite all-time <clears throat> books. I love it. Yep. Well, Sean, what we normally do... Oh, go ahead, Monday, and then we'll we'll do our roundtable. I was going to mention, I also... I have a tattoo of death, which I'm not going to show off too much because it's... uh, God, at this point, it's almost... It's probably... It's over... It's almost 30 years old, so it looks kind of shitty, but... Viewers, if you want to see Shirtless Monday, go ahead and comment now. (laughs) If we get 10 comments, he's doing it. Survive like two marriages, three kids... I have a, I have a tattoo of death. One of my senior pictures, I believe I'm wearing a death t-shirt and I have like posters and t-shirts of Sandman characters behind me and I was all dark and broody. So, you know. And how long was your hair? Uh, probably pretty close to my butt. It was pretty long. That's fantastic. The year of the grunge. Uh-oh. We have 20 new comments, Monday. I see them all. <laughs> so you know what that means. Oh, yeah, a, I mean, it's a good read. If you are wanting to try a new book with something that's got a, a bit of a unique factor to it, it's got a good read to it. It's got a good amount of like depth because there's a lot going on, but it's also long. Like you said, it's yes. not, you know, a little 22 pager. Plus on top of this, this is 1989 pages as well. So, your actual panel count, if you were to count how many panels per page compared to a book you buy off the shelf today, is almost double. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a book you're not going to sit down and read it in five minutes. Yeah. And, you, and you're going to be able to read it and reread it and reread it as well. So I think it's, it's got a lot going for it. It's very, very intelligent, and it will probably inspire you to look things up that you mm-hmm. don't know what they're talking about. So it can, you know, it can lead you down all kinds of different paths. 
All right. So let's do our round table. We're going to score it out of five. And then um, we usually talk about, will we read it again? In this case, will we continue on with issue number two? So, uh, Tony, what'd you think? Wrap it up, score it. Will you read it? Well, yeah, I'll read it. And I'm kind of looking forward to going back. Um, it's just been so long, uh, but it was all coming back to me as I was reading it. So score wise, um, I mean, it's got to be pretty high, like 4.75. And um, I would read it. And the one thing I wanted to say to behind the scenes of like the art and all of that stuff, that's the stuff that I love. It's like trying to imagine someone saying like, hey, you need to, you know, draw what it's like to have a nightmare, be inside of a nightmare, be inside of a nightmare. There's, you know, or that type of thing. So I think the execution from story to art was pretty near flawless. Monday. Uh, yeah, same score. That's kind of what I was thinking. I, I would almost go with the five, but I think there are issues of this series that I actually like better than this one. Um, uh, and I'll keep those close to my chest for now. And we'll, we'll discuss those when we get there, but, um, it's a, amazing setup and story or not story world building and i mean this is the launching pad that i mean it launched a career for neil gaiman it, it launched it changed the face of comics it's you know I, I mean i could go on and on and on about it and i i love it so four seven five all right i'll stick right in there with you guys um i loved it for all of the same reasons and i really dug um, I, I think a lot of the little things that were dropped that we know are going to play out as it goes on. I really dug that. And I, I think the introduction of it, at, it almost seems like a light comment when he talks about death and then he's like, oh, I'm her younger brother. And then you start to get the idea, well, these guys, they're family. So now we've got a family story going on as well um, as all the other stuff that's happening. And I love you know, the Aleister Crowley's. I love the Shakespeare lines that are thrown in there and um, Tweedledee and Tweedledum being talked about. Those kind of things are cool because if you've read them before, it's almost like you got this kind of secret knowledge going on because you've read those mm -hmm. before you read this. And I really dig that. And I love that Neil Gaiman puts those in there. So I can't wait to read number two, see where it goes. I've only read, I think I've only read half the series. So by the time this is over, I'll have the whole thing. I'm really excited about that. And I don't remember every little detail because it's been 20 yeah. years since I've yeah. read it. So it's really fun to kind of revisit this. It's familiar, but it's not fresh. So it's really fun to reread. So can't wait for issue two. Um, Mr. Hilton, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd give it like a 4.25 to a 4.5. If it was just single digits, it'd be a four because perfection is damn hard to come by. Yeah. And then so... Um, yeah, it's uh, the only thing I found weird about it, and it is just a weird situation, is that it exists in this uh, periphery of the DC universe. Like it's its own thing, but then they turn around, they mention the Jack Kirby Sandman, which if you mm -hmm. know the background, there's some stuff there. So yep. one of the reasons I would give it just a little bit of a ding is DC, I don't think, knew where this mm -hmm. book was going to live. And John Constantine and some of these other characters also. So there was always this kind of weird vibe about, you know, can Dream meet Superman? Nobody wanted that to happen, but they do eventually introduce some of the characters that do cross over in that way. So um, it's just well, Wesley that, that, Dodd was in the first issue. Yeah. So you've already kind of got that, you know? Yep. So 
the Sandman Wesley Dodd Sandman mm-hmm. characters yes. in yep. the first, yeah. So, so you're right, that, Sean. That's mentioned, and then from there on, it's like, why isn't he bumping into more stuff, you know, and things like that? So, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah. yeah, it didn't happen very often. I know there's a there's an issue of Action Comics that's not terribly old Happened. that has has death in it. Yeah. And Happened I don't long have after that. the series was over. Yes, I don't have that one. And I saw it at the last Kokomo Con actually. Somebody had it and I was it was pricey. <laughs> well, you know, the bad thing is if he bumps into people, as you say, other people are going to be pissed. I wanted this to be its own thing. I don't want it dealing with those superheroes over there. Yeah. So and it shouldn't have. You know, it, it definitely yeah. shouldn't have. So no matter what you do, you're going to alienate some group or make some group angry. So I don't know. So far, great choices. And then JPP next week, we're going to expect a uh, issue one and issue two at the end of the episode. I want the book report. Yep. I will say that, you know, through perusing Mundy's issues in the past, wherever he started, like he said, the art's fantastic. Uh, Neil Gaiman's been an interesting character to, uh, you know, look into across the board. And I look forward to this creativity and, uh, what unfolds with the uh, with TV series, uh, you know, or the the TV medium, I should say, uh, when that comes out. Yes. Cool. So very much day, looking forward to that. I, I think I'll I'll start off with a preemptive four and uh, hopefully see it escalate from there. I think we got our answer, folks. I yes. got to go onto Facebook real fast and see who that user was because it's yeah, not telling that's... me who the users are. That drives me crazy. Yeah, that's the action con. It's real weird too. The cover. It, I mean, it was some hot artist of the day. I, I don't. I feel it like it looks like Campbell. I think it is. I think it, which is weird to see him drawing death because it's so not the style of Sandman. And again, that's kind of like the thing is like you know, one, what showing up in Superman is just weird, and yeah. then having traditional you know hot girl artist guy doing it. Awesome. The whole thing, when you do it, it just doesn't feel right. So yeah. virtually none of those Vertigo books do that kind of a crossover. Yeah. And uh, there's a reason. It just, it the the themes don't, I wouldn't say it's oil and water, but it, it doesn't mix real well. It feels out of place. Yeah. All right. Oh, Dude, David Finch. Finch did the cover. There we go. Still, uh, I, he's, yeah. At that time, he probably had a little bit of a more, I don't know. His style's changed a little bit over the years, mm-hmm. so yeah. But it definitely is like a very flashy cover for a character who is not that. So, <laughs> well, David Finch is pretty good. So yes. All right. Any last comment? Are we done with the issue one today? I did look up if you wanted to buy a first issue in like. 9.8 shape about a thousand dollars to buy that book right now so if you bought it for the dollar dollar 50 back in 1989 and you took care of it thousand dollars now that's not a bad little not not a bad turnaround <laughs> that's graded right yes yeah absolutely yeah that's the only way to get the 9.8 to know for sure so <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> just in case just in case you never know so uh before we move on to our uh, talk about Moon Knight, just want to say tonight's episode is brought to you by 4411 Creative Agency. The good folks at 4411 provide custom marketing and flawless execution. 
Creative is their middle name. Head hey, over we know to those guys. We know somebody involved with that group, but you can <laughs> head over to 4411creative.com to find out more. They do awesome work. You want to check them out. Um, I'm going to put this up there just in case anybody wants to know how to get there. There you go. Great marketing team. What about uh, our other sponsor? I don't think we've mentioned them yet. Well, we're going to mention them after Moon Knight. All right, cool. I got, I've got this all laid out. It's like a, got ads. Like a program we're doing, or something over here. We're doing ad placements. <laughs> That's right. So, all right. So Moon Knight number one hit. And um, I was thumbs up-ish. Had a few issues, but uh, overall, can I, cut, I enjoyed Can it. I cut you off real quick? Nope. No, I'm just kidding. I, haven't, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> So I may be leaving because I don't want to hear it. I, I thought the trailer looked awesome. Okay. And I want to see it, but I don't want it to be spoiled. So Oh, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, then it was great right. seeing you guys. <laughs> Bye, tea bags. All right. I'll see you soon. Nice seeing you, Mr. Bags. Bye, Tony. Okay, Later. <laughs> and a hearty splat to you too, sir. Uh, I'm glad he I said didn't something know before that. we went off. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know I, that. I feel bad for excluding him, but that's no. why I asked you guys earlier if everybody had seen it because I we wanted to talk about it. So yeah, I talked to him earlier today, and he was trying to get through um, the first issue, and he knew he wouldn't have time. He's got a, a huge client that he works with on Sundays, so it kind of affects the timing of this show. So anyway, gotcha. Um, so anyway, I know you saw it, JPP. What'd you think? I did not hate it. I am coming in blind because I've never read anything along the lines of Moon Knight. Um, you know, as those who kind of uh, approach the Marvel universe via cinema and television, it's it was fun to watch. My wife was really fascinated with it. She likes the, I guess she called it the supernatural approach to things, given mm -hmm. the uh, the characters that were coming in and um, up against him, and just kind of starting to slowly unveil who he they are and just seeing how you know they're going to work this character you know y'all have more um, expertise on the comic book front and how he's unfolded there throughout the decades but um it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts in comparison to the original um writings and origin um i don't know how you guys feel about it but going into these shows i don't hold tight to Okay, except Daredevil. But other than that, I mean, you know, <laughs> free game. Let's, except Daredevil. I might get angry if they change something too much there. But for the most part, I just don't. If you want to take some liberties with the character. Yeah. You know, if Stephen Grant isn't a millionaire, who cares? Let's. Yeah. What do they do with the basic premise of it? And and how does the show work? And is it good? That I don't know. I guess I don't get into the ticky tack stuff too much. If I yeah, enjoy the program. I, Unless I'm watching a Sin City movie, I don't expect to see the comic on the screen. You know, it's mm -hmm. not. <laughs> it's they have to take liberties to they they combine stuff, they shorten stuff, they change things. It's that's all fine. I don't care. I when I saw the trailer, I wasn't thrilled with uh, him. Like they kind of said, Stephen. So I'm like, okay, this is Stephen Grant, but he was British. He had British, and I'm like, mm, I don't love that. But I, in my head, I'm like, okay. So I'm hoping that when he's Mark Spector or something, like he doesn't have that accent, and that's exactly what they did. So I was like, cool, I great. That that's a good device. That's fine. I'm with it, and. Uh, 
Yeah, I loved it. As a Moon Knight fan, he is one of my favorites. Um, and I, I, I like the way they're playing it so far. I'm very interested to see where it goes. It's interesting. The costume looks fantastic, which you don't see it much in this first episode. It's all CGI, but it's right? Weird... Completely. Yes. It's, it's a weird version that they used because it's that that's from like some future alternate reality storyline thing. So it's weird. They went with that, but it looked a lot like David Finch's version. Uh, It's actually, I think it's from like the earth X universe X Hmm. stuff. Interesting. And so it's weird that they chose that, but it works like the, the gauzy bandages going all up everywhere. It worked perfectly. The Khonshu looks amazing. That is straight out of the comics. So very cool. And I like the, the Khonshu's voice, the F Murray Abraham voice, <laughs> the big booming voice in his head. It's pretty cool. I like the way they played him waking up in random places <laughs> and you know that that brought in some a comedy element during some serious action and crazy stuff happening. I really enjoyed it. Sean. You guys covered a lot of what I felt about it. Um, there was a point uh, when I was younger where I might have been a little more uh, adamant about what I wanted to see translated from the page to the screen. But as we get more and more and more material, um, my comics exist. They're in a box. They're on a shelf. I can go back and revisit those adventures anytime I want. So anytime I see a new movie or a TV show or an animated thing, this is that version. It's its own universe. It's, you know, if it was a DC thing, it's Earth whatever's version. So if you want a straight uh, adaptation, go back to your comic books and read them. That's what I say to that. Um, My thing with this was it was a really good mix of action with strange comedy. Uh, The comedy that was there broke it up just so nicely. I'm laughing out loud. They are using great clips to their advantage. I mean, think of how much money they had to save by not doing stunt coordinated action scenes in this first episode by just doing a cut and him looking yeah. around you know, the <laughs> amount of time and effort. Yeah. So I, I would say my only um, little nitpick on this one was I almost wish it had been a two episode drop instead of the one because yeah. they spent yep. all of the episode introducing the character and his quirks that by that last 10 minutes that we finally see the supernatural element and what's happening in the museum is what the second that you see the transformation, they did a great job of wetting your appetite to want that second episode. So they got me doing exactly what they wanted and I'm eager to see more. And um, Oscar, I'm horrible with all names. Oscar Isaac. Who it is. Thank you. Um, I thought he did a spectacular job. Mm -hmm. So very eager to see more. And I hope that they keep with this quirky nature because Moon Knight himself, if you've read his material, goes from being a traditional superhero-y kind of oddball character to really strange to hyper-violent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a roller coaster. Um, So I think that this is just a really nice mix of what we've seen from different elements coming together. And uh, I enjoyed uh, the heck out of it. Yeah. I, you know, the, the, 
the I did not enjoy the Khonshu voice and the talking. I I didn't. There was almost like a little bit of a comedic part there, and I don't yeah. expect the Khonshu part to be the comedy part. I think the bumbling through because you have all these more multiple personalities and you don't know what the hell's going on. He wakes up and all these people are dead and he doesn't know how it happened. I mean, that was perfect, but I don't think Khonshu should have that edge of, oh, it's this fool again, you know, kind of thing. I wish that part would have been played a little more straight. Um, but that's one of my, and, and I think the, the, the uh, wonky, scene where he's driving and the on the cliff or whatever i don't think the cgi was great right there but those would be my only issues that i had with the episode i thought the the focus on him and his personality disorder and trying to you know wade his way through the world i thought oscar isaac was brilliant i mean i thought that part was yeah. so good the conchu voice i don't know i guess addressing that i would say they used it in such a way that it, you know, created some laughs, but I don't think what he is saying is intentionally funny. It's almost like a straight man, like, what are you doing, you idiot? You know, like that kind of thing. And then Oscar reacting to it or doing whatever he is doing is kind of the comedy. So, and, and I, you got to see in the comics, like that, that voice is always there. Like it's always there in his head. But that's and, not how uh, I hear it. This is yeah, about me, yeah. Monday. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I forgot <laughs> and, who I was talking to. And isn't it still kind of unclear whether or not he has powers? Like, isn't it like sometimes, I don't know. I guess I've read a couple of stories where it was unsure if he really has these superpowers from a god or if he's, it's just one of his personalities or am yeah. I wrong there? Um, I, I've never known that he really had any real powers i mean maybe like when he assumes the moon knight uh persona he i think it might just come to like uh it gives him a sense of fearlessness it gives him um <clears throat> i don't know like he doesn't give a shit he just goes for it and it maybe pumps up his adrenaline a little bit but i don't really think he has like super strength or uh, there may there's been a lot of different takes on this character right. though exactly so, yeah, yeah that may have come and gone at some point but they can no. use that to their advantage too go ahead yeah. Sean. i think at one point it was in the storyline keep in mind exactly what uh monday is saying there's been so many incarnations of the series yeah. every writer gets to dabble yeah. tweak and whatnot but at one point i believe he got stronger based on the phases of the moon Yes, yes, you're I right. I think yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a thing. So, in mm -hmm. that essence, I mean, I suppose you could still say it's a personality quirk, but you know, if you go from being able to lift up, you know, 100 pounds to you know, five, 600 pounds, I, I would say that he probably has a very light superpower. So, yeah. um, you know, I I dig it. I think it's uh, fun. My my weird thing that you like, you hear that voice in the comic as one thing. Well, as I'm watching the show, and I agree with you, Steve, I think it does come across as comedic, um, whether they intended it to or not. But yeah, yeah. what I'm curious about is, is that the voice or is that his way of that's ah. like translating what it's really going into his head? Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if when we see the other guy in the body that we don't hear that voice in a completely different fashion. Not oh, yeah. cool. We've only 
we've only seen Kanshu. We have not heard him conversing with Kanshu. So who knows? Yeah, that's cool. I didn't think about that. I knew there was a reason we had you on the show tonight. Thanks. There it is. <laughs> JPP, you're being awful quiet over there. What'd you think? I'm sorry, what? No. Um, <laughs> sorry. Are you recording? I'm working on the outro. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. You know, as far as the show goes, I thought, you know, Oscar Isaac was killer. I thought Ethan Hawke is cool in this. Yes. Uh, I definitely enjoyed, um, you know, as far as the Kanchu, I don't know who that was. But, you know, to your point, if you heard it one way, I'm picturing Steve hearing him going, what are you doing? Stop doing that. Or, you know, whatever, <laughs> completely contrasting voice and whatever. But, no, at the end of the day, uh, I'm excited to see how this ride unfolds. Uh, you know, the fact that my wife likes it. She wasn't too big on Hawkeye and, and whatnot. But, you know, really. So what's that really she didn't like hawkeye no not so much oh but so much fun yeah well she didn't like falcon and winter soldier very much either she felt like it was uh uh you know kind of dragging on too long it could have been a movie versus you know the episodes and i was like whatever i'm watching this she's wrong <laughs> she's know, wrong I know. you tell her that <laughs> not me but anyway um you know she loved wandavision most out of all of them i think but you know really what it boils down to is <clears throat> There's some Marvel content. I'm hungry for more, and I can't wait. Yeah. Cool. Compared to me waiting to watch The Electric Company to see five minutes of Spider-Man. <laughs> Lurking being... in the around. Yeah, so and then being thrilled when they had the two or three TV movies, and then I got the Incredible Hulk teaming up with Thor and yeah. a Daredevil that looked god-awful horrible. Yeah. I mean, there's a time when Spider-Man is yeah. amazing friends was like, the ultimate. I don't know how we go beyond this. To now, I don't know. Like a, uh, it, it's almost silly because we are so spoiled, and the budget's there. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if you take a look yes. at just a couple of years ago, you're talking about the CG on that scene didn't look great. The CG on that scene compared to Hercules' <laughs> amazing journeys, you know, back from the day. Yeah. Uh, that's it, that's how spoiled we are, though. Is we can yeah. take a look at a scene that just five or six years ago. We wouldn't even known that technology was used to like tweak that shot, and now it's really good. So, yeah, yeah I, right. I dug it. And and again, in that ending where you had all the comedy and the other stuff going on, and then the creepiness of what's going on in that museum, that creature, mm-hmm. just man, they really did a good job of when they swung your uh, your kind of emotional state. They did it really well. Like it didn't feel like a complete break or I was being slapped out of one thing into another. So now yeah. I am curious, uh, what, what do you guys think of the rumblings of people complaining about the actual disorder not being portrayed in a manner that they find uh, to be correct? Well, at the end of the day, this is a fictional character. This is, they are not, it's not a documentary. I understand representation i get that 100 i'm all for it i got no problem with that but i mean people fudge things for stories all the time people fudge historical facts for stories there's you know you we've taken i mean indiana jones uh, met hitler and hitler, hitler signed his diary so i mean you know come on and or uh inglorious bastards I mean, you know, it's not everything is going to be letter perfect. And I don't think they're presenting it 
as such. I think it's it's a story, and it's that's it's part of it. They're taking liberties. Sean, you asked that question, but you cut out, and I missed what you said. There's there's been a little hmm. pushback from groups that are finding the uh, his disability to be handled mm-hmm. in an offensive manner. Oh, I see. And, uh, you know, and I, I agree pretty much with everything that Mundy just said. I was curious as to what you guys thought. Well, and we also don't know the whole story. Yes. That, you know I saying? was going to say that too. a small piece. Yeah. And for me, the problems that I had with the story pale to the fact that he is such an engaging character. When that show ended, I wanted another episode because I am invested in him and where he's going and how he's going to overcome this, that I I find that if if they misplayed his disability or whatever, it made him super engaging. And I can't see, I can't wait to see where it goes. We have six episodes Mm -hmm. to figure this out. We can't base this on one episode. That's silly. Yeah. Right. My, my daughter watched with us too. And, and, you know, there toward the end, she was getting a little creeped out and she was kind of covering her Mm -hmm. eyes and everything. And, and, uh, you know, I understand. We didn't force it to, you know, you watch this part, but I did tell her, though, it's like, hey, the museum's closed. Maybe Ben Stiller will show up. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> she got a kick out of that. Um, did any of you read about any of the Easter eggs from episode one? Uh, uh, I did. I watched the Nerdist clip on Okay, those. gotcha. Because they were talking about where he ended up at that, you know, village. Um, mm-hmm. Was that Latvia? I think it was. I, I just kind of skimmed through. Yeah, I've heard a couple people mention really? that. Mm-hmm. It might be, yeah. So I was excited to see Duchamp show up on that phone. So we know we got Frenchie coming in at some point, Um, but I didn't dig into any other Easter eggs. So I don't know. Apparently the statue was another character as well. Which statue? Uh, Yes. That's uh, is it Crowley? It's Mm -hmm. in the comics. He had a, I think it is Crawley, not Crowley. It's Crawley. Crawley. And uh, he was like kind of a drunk, kind of a homeless drunk guy, kind of an informant. like a. Oh, when he was uh, Jake the cabbie, he would talk to that guy? Yes. Mm -hmm. And that the gold statue guy was supposed to be Crawley, might be Crawley. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Seems odd, but. Hey, putting this together how they see fit, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So it it looks like we all dug it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. I'm in for the ride. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, that, um, I guess, do we need to do a roundtable or are we exhausted that topic? No. (laughs) We're all going to give it a four out of five and we can't wait to see more. All right. So, JPP, you notice it's easier for him to watch a show than it is to read. So, um, I got that going for me. It's easier because it's dark where he is. Everything looks great on the screen because it's dark. Let's see. I thought we fixed that last week. We did, but the light bulb <laughs> needs charged. Okay. <laughs> Before we head on, I'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor, the Kokomo Lantern, a journalistic endeavor focused upon the simple principles of illuminating the good and eliminating the shadows in our local community. Head over to kokomolantern.substack.com to sign up for all the content. Thank you, Kokomo Lantern. And, um, there it is right there, if you need to subscribe to that. And you should, to get all the best information about Kokomo that you can get. Turns out we know that guy, too. <clears throat> yeah. Read it dearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. We have one final segment on the show tonight. And we're just going to give a brief chat about what we feel is an underrated 
comic or series that we've read that we really dig. And um, I've got some images. So whoever comes up next has to go. Are you ready? Well, that's a good one. That one right there is a good one. <laughs> mm -hmm. No cheating. I don't know if it's Boom. overrated, though. Oh, look who's up. Oh. I, it feels like I've been set up. No, so, you're yeah, the first one to respond. That's, that's my pick. Uh, yes, Guy Davis, Gary Reed. You're looking at a uh, take on Sherlock Holmes done in a uh, punk fashion. Guy Davis uh, has done a lot of work. He's an artist who then ended up yeah. doing the writing. Gary Reed was the publisher of Caliber Comics, was a big mm -hmm. Sherlock fan. He helps script and write the first four issues. And then Guy Davis takes over for the next four issues. But the basic idea is that World War II never really happens. Um, everything goes well after World War I. So we're kind of stuck in that time period. And in this, we follow a uh, ex-constable ex who's been drummed out of service and has gone and become uh, punk. She lives this punk lifestyle. One of the things that I really enjoy about the book, one, it's beautiful, um, gorgeous book. It's got a lot of depth to it. Each issue is, um, it's it, it just feels very long, but in a good way. Like there's a ton put into this book. And I love their outlook on punk culture. It is written by a guy who was uh, li living it at the time. I believe it's lettered or even possibly inked by Vince Locke who's oh. famous for doing Cannibal wow. Corpse uh, covers and yep. another Vertigo um, huge uh, star. So, yeah, I've actually I've got uh, two different copies that I have, and I've actually bought a copy to just loan to friends. I like it that much that nice. now once I finish rereading this for like the fifth or sixth time, uh, this copy will just go into rotation. I'll, you know, let friends borrow it, and the only thing I ask them is that when they're done, they sign it and they give a couple of words. You know, I hated it. I liked it. Just, you know, a little note. Sign it. Give me a note. You borrow the book. Enjoy. But again, I'd take I you up on that. Absolutely gorgeous. It's got great depth to it. And again, it takes a look at the what <laughs> punk rock culture could have been by, again, people I think who were actually heavily involved in the scene at the time when it was relevant. Yeah. It'd be cool if it had a soundtrack with it. Oh, that'd be so cool. I, okay, I made Sean Hilton will be back next week with a soundtrack for Honor Among Punks. <laughs> You're welcome. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I definitely uh, would would check that out. I'll I will get make sure I'm gonna finish it up here soon. And it's only about two stories, and it's about eight issues, and each one uh, pushes the storyline pretty well. And uh, as I said, it's just something I've really enjoyed. I think you'll dig it. Cool. That's Put awesome. me on the list too. All right. All right. Are you ready to use up next? I was just going to say a quick comment on Vince Locke. I remember that oh. uh, we, when uh, Monday and I were baby metal heads and I had cannibal corpse album covers on cassette, I brought them over to Sean cause he was going to a convention and said yep. that Vince was going to be there and he, took him in for them to be signed for me which i came across them in my collection the other day and uh when when i got him back you're talking about how mild-mannered he was and it's like for as gory as that art is he's just <laughs> yeah. a normal fella yeah <laughs> the, the, uh, oh thanks for buying my album i really appreciate it thank you you you, you, you like the art oh that's great thanks so much <laughs> it i'm like 
the whole picture of what you expect to see from the cannibal mm. corpse artist and but he's <laughs> like he's wearing the black uh you know leather and all that but it's yeah, yeah. wow like it's such a nice guy him and guy getting are actually really good friends or at least were yes so mm-hmm. i think in that situation i sent some dead world comics with you which are some really awesome very gory zombie comics way before walking dead it would have been number two on this list of underrated comics for me yeah cool nice there may be a part two to this we'll see did you get yours did i get that sign for you too he froze oh there he is who monday yeah uh, you guys all froze up on me so what what i miss did did you get those signed the uh, yeah, ones? I got a, I got several. Yeah, you took several for me that I got signed. And sadly, I'm old enough now. I'm sure I did it. I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, it was a while ago. I used to take stuff for people. I had to stop. They used to take stuff for customers to get signed, and then it just became a liability. Like, yeah, as you said, Sinkovich uses that special pin. So if mm-hmm. I close that book at the wrong instant, I've ruined a customer's book. So, yeah. but there was a several years where yeah, I'd go off to shows and get stuff signed for people i believe he was signing back then in like a felt tip pen i think some of mine were signed in like a red felt tip pen yeah he did wow yeah that sounds right <laughs> cool all so right now, are we ready when you show the next one are we supposed to guess <clears throat> whose book it is <laughs> oh that'd just... be kind of fun are you, you ready know? here we go that was me <laughs> <laughs> you suck who was it I'm going to say that's foggy. Um, see, this Mike Mignola art. I'm going to go with Monday. It's me. I, you know what? I'm going to go with Monday, too. <laughs> <laughs> Monday's being awful quiet, so he surely didn't give that away. Elimination here. And by the way, Paul's isn't on here. so Yeah, I'm going, I'm going to throw a teabag's curveball, and please don't Google that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That no, sounds dirty. I think we may have to kick you off the show. This is for kids. That's nasty. I'm a principal, after all. <laughs> Get a reputation to uphold. All right, Monday, what do you, what yeah, do you got you with me. Cosmic Odyssey? So this one, this is like, I think one of the first series that I, that just absolutely blew my mind. Um, and this is, it was a four issue series. I got them all four right here. If Pretty. I can find the camera. Um, and I've surprisingly, I got these when I was around, it came out, I was around 12 ish and, my copies are in very good condition, so that's kind of shocking that they've survived this long. <laughs> but um, it's uh, a Cosmic Odyssey, as the title suggests. It's a crazy, huge, uh, galaxy-spanning story. And if you're going to have a story like that, you might as well bring in the best at that, which was Jim Starlin. Uh, if you got a cosmic story to this day, he's still doing that. So uh, he's one of the greats at that. And this was uh, early in Mike Mignola's career. I think uh, this was like 1988, I think. Uh, so at that time, he had been doing like covers for actually on the last uh, Kokomo or uh, Comics Cube live show. We saw several of his Alpha Flight covers from the 80s. Um, so he was doing a lot of that. He was not, by no means a superstar at this point. Uh, I think this book probably pushed him in that direction quite a bit. It is absolutely stunning. Um, 
that uh, and you can kind of see if I can do it without the glare, which I <clears throat> having trouble with that. But Very nice. crazy team, mm-hmm. and that's you've got uh, Jack Kirby's fourth world characters. So you got like Dark Side and High Father and Orion and Forager up there with uh, some of the Justice League stalwarts and all that and even an appearance by one of steve's favorites if i can find the camera is it etrigan in there somewhere i see him boom so uh but yeah it's uh basically like dark side finds some crazy thing with the you know he's always searching for the anti-life equation he finds some crazy thing that absolutely stumps him and confounds him so he actually brings in all of these characters together and they go and meet with high father and they they split up into like two man teams and go to four different worlds and if if any two of these worlds are destroyed by the anti-life equation then the entire galaxy collapses so and then we go from there so it's pretty sweet uh, this series, I hate to spoil this, but it, this series kind of has one of the biggest storylines with uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern. This is where he does something very arrogant and stupid, and a world dies because of it. So that's, and it just absolutely crushes him for, I don't a while after that, but it shows up in so many of his books. Yeah. Like yeah. years later. He, yeah. Like, there's, there's like a spinoff. I think very quickly after that, that's yeah. John focused. And I think I told you about this, but uh, one of my customers had one of the original pages of that book. Oh, nice. And uh, in it, they've, there's a cut scene. Basically they, they re-edited it. Oh uh, yeah. 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 So, and I believe it. I haven't seen it. So this is one of those things. It may be urban legend, but I believe the guy. It makes sense. That and, would be from this issue, book two. Okay. Disaster. He, uh, John Stewart, like, commits suicide by using his ring after this happened. And they, yeah, according to this, uh, it was done. Like, it was a Mignola page, and it was there. So, so you can't murder, but you can commit suicide. That's yes. an interesting twist on Green Lantern. I like that. Hmm. I, I also love that book because I think you see Mignola's style that becomes the Mignola style yes. really yes. start so, to come so into its wide, own. Wide body, barrel chest, kind of boxy figures that he draws. It's all there. It's all there. You can see a direct line from that to Hellboy for sure. Fantastic. Heck yeah. All right. This- not going to be much of a guest now, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> nice. I didn't know you were a Static X fan. <clears throat> oh, That's it. I'm removing Paul. <laughs> That's what happens when you sass me. <laughs> Sorry. Put I in the waiting resist. room. At least put some M&Ms back there or something. Come on. Uh, Wait, there's M&Ms. Oh, you, oh, you didn't get them? The Nobody you invited get... me to the green room, damn it. Sean, you didn't get your champagne I sent to the house? What the hell, man? Oh, it's because I didn't get any of that smoked mac and cheese. That's why. Oh. Well, that out? Out. That's my first time. Ooh, was it not burn. good? It was edible. It was good. People said it was good, but I think they're just trying to be nice to me. Uh, <laughs> it, it, crunch, will get, crunch, really it will nice. get better. 
The meatloaf, though, I think that meatloaf's really good. That looked amazing. Cooked yeah. barbecue yeah, meatloaf is the way to go. Yeah, we were polite when we ate Little Caesars at a kid's birthday party today, too. Mm, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, my choice was the Ecstatics, yeah. which I feel like a group like the X-Men has room for a team like this. And I know at the time it pissed people off. Um, they came in as part of X-Force, and then it really angered people that you would do that to the X-Force crew, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so they spun off, renamed the team Ecstatics, and um, I'm sure this has to be Ed Gibson, because I know he's a fan as I well. Would, I would think so. Um, but, you know, a, a group that's that huge has room for a group like this, which are sponsored by corporations, and it's all about making money. and. People working behind the scenes, you know, make it so people die because it's great for ratings. This was a great for 2002 to four, I think is when it ran. It was ahead of its game as far as social media goes and getting views and getting corporate sponsorships for superheroes. And, you know, they've got this kooky character named Dupe who records all of their exploits and all of their missions. And, um, and the fact that, you know, they make it so somebody dies on the team. And it became, I think it was one of those books that stopped the Comics Code Authority for Marvel because it was so violent. They killed off an entire team in the first issue, except for like two people. Um, but I'll show you. I showed you one last week. I have another one to add. I'm going to grab it. Sorry about that. So I got these cool boxes to hold them. Can you see that? Sort of, yeah. My, my good friend Braden made this. It's Dead Girl. Is it too shiny? It's anyway, he shiny. makes these things for me. It's all vinyl, and it's all layered, so each color is a layer. And wow. so he's built these for me, and then I've got um, You Go Girl back there, which is a great name. You can't go wrong with a name like that, right? Remember on your team <laughs> called You Go Girl? Seriously, on a social media team? It's pretty amazing. So anyway, so it didn't last. It went away. Well, in 2019, they had a another book that's restarted, and now it's called Excellent. And one of the people who was supposedly killed off in the first issue in X-Force is back. And he has a team to rival Ecstatics. So it's happening again. I think people would dig it. I think it makes more sense today than it did back then. And I think people would really enjoy the soap opera nature, the social media angle. Um, it's really cool. And I think a couple years later, Civil War started off in a similar way when the team was recording itself and had the big explosion that killed a bunch of people. New Warriors. And yeah, that was very much straight yep. from what had happened in Ecstatic. So it was ahead of its time. There you have it. Read it. Oh, very Peter cool. Milligan and Mike Allred. And if you're not a Mike yep. Allred fan, I get it. He's very stylized. Yeah, I love him or you hate him, I think, but I love him. So. How can you not love that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I dig his work. Yeah. I am not familiar with that book. Uh, I, I mean, very peripherally. They obviously it's Mike Allred. I'll look at anything that he draws, that anything comes in front of me, you know. Then so dupe, I always thought I never knew what the story was with that character, really. So <laughs> it was, you know, it's he's just a funny looking little kind of floating green blob guy but they and, created uh, a language for him 
So yes. it's all like little symbols and things. And yeah. it actually is a, a real language. So if you go sit down, you can break it down and find out what Dupe was saying in every issue. That's hilarious. Is there an app yet? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. There should be. And now he's got more layers. If you just read Excellent Number 2, we found out that Dupe was behind the scenes all the way back in the first issue of X-Force. Behind the scenes, which was cool. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Layers, man. Layers. Like an onion. There you go. All right. Mm, onion. Paul, oh. I don't... <laughs> That's supposed to be parfait, <laughs> not onion. I don't have a picture for you. I know, because I was at a kid's birthday party all day and completely distracted with uh, trying to wrangle the kids. Let's go home. And uh, you know, <laughs> didn't get here until the, you know, right there at the skin of my teeth. But, um, you know, thank you for letting me participate in this because I'm a novice amongst uh, you seasoned pros when it comes to uh, the comic book world and novels and such. So I'm, I'm a dabbler. I, you know, I've got all this around me. This is my wheelhouse and, you know, where I feel like <laughs> I'm a mad scientist. And so now I've, you know, basically with lockdown and Sean was doing these live streams, I started buying comics with the intention of reading more to help retain attention because a lot of what I've got going on in my day job causes me to, Oh, something shiny, this problem, this problem, you know? And so my brain goes five different directions and I really want to just kind of hone in on something and, and uh, focus. That said, I don't have the experience of considering a comic to be underrated much like yourselves because I haven't had a wealth of uh, reading experience to do that. But Grew the grew the wanderer all the time, right? No, I'm kidding. Uh, grew was awesome though. Um, I was actually reading a list of somebody's underrated comics and thought, let me see what somebody else thinks and see if there's one I might want to pursue. And the top one actually hit me right at the beginning. I'm like sold. Um, are any of you familiar with the other dead? Never heard of it. Uh. -uh. So apparently it's a zombie series. It's maybe like six issues, but it deals with our fuzzy and amphibian friends instead of humans becoming zombies. And huh. the story starts off apparently with Dick Cheney being eaten by a deer and Barack Obama creates a task force <laughs> to obliterate our forest friends. I'm in. And Stop. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Exactly. <laughs> the front, the first cover was like zombie turtles with like blood hanging out of their mouth and stuff. I'm like, nice. this is awesome. So I'm, I'm going to have to pursue that. Sean, I think you need to order some copies of that. I got, I got the other dead. The other dead. Yeah. Hey, I don't have time for that. I'm going to be reading Sean's book. So um, <laughs> you guys are on your own on that one. Yeah. So that was my cheat. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't have the plethora of reading, you know, knowledge to uh, to give you something that I felt was underrated. I, I can't say my, one of my favorite stories was Craven the Hunter from the mm -hmm. 80s because I got that That's for Christmas yeah. and uh, you know I still love it to this day and yeah. I'm, am I hearing rumblings that's going to become something in a live action setting? Uh, they've talked about doing that for years. I, I, I'm hearing more than that. I'm hearing Craven is, is coming in some yeah. form or fashion. I would People. almost, I think they cast him I don't yeah. know who it is. I don't remember. But I almost think they're looking at Morbius right now like, all right, is there <laughs> money to be made in the universe outside of Spider-Man and Venom? Mm -hmm. Because they've tried it before with Andrew Garfield's second movie. It didn't go over. For Craven to work, I think Craven is the perfect character mm -hmm. to go out with. I can almost see it being some kind of YouTube 
slash yes. social media influence hunter yes. guy. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the crocodile hunter gone the opposite direction kind of a deal. Yeah. So I did oh, uh, a footnote. I actually spoke to someone today who uh, very much enjoyed the Morbius movie. So cool. I love nice. a good bad movie. Yeah. Well, I'm hearing that, you know, it's neck and neck with Terror Squad. So, you know, let's Woo-hoo! see how this plays out. Oh, geez. Hey, Paul, <laughs> what were the top five underrated comics on that list you found? I don't have it in front of me. It was on my phone earlier today. I'll have to dig it up and send it your oh. way. All right. I thought that'd yep. be interesting to see. Yes. Indeed. I would like to see that too. Cool. <clears throat> so, Paul, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. You, you're, you know, you, you're saying you, you don't have the expertise and all that. None of that really matters. You, you just find something <laughs> you like and you read it. But yep. putting you on the spot, you've now heard about three underrated comics from people right here. Mm-hmm. With the elevator pitches given, which one would you choose to read? I would definitely read your story. That's cheating. Yours has uh, music uh, in it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And punk, nonetheless, you know, because I'm so <laughs> punk. <laughs> It's like that 80s infomercial. Hey, man, I'm listening to punk. And it's that uh, compilation with Love and Rockets and uh, Huey Lewis in the News. If you've never seen that, I must send you the link. I'll put it in the comments on the show here. Hey, Paul, you know what I think of your answer? Oh, that's just that's just me. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Yeah, well, you know, it's always the tables have turned. Well, 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 how the turntables? Because I'm usually the one trolling uh, Steve here. So, you know, that was my favorite part of the show. Is he would mess with me in the intro. It was so great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, last. All right. Well, that was fun. Um, we went a little longer than we normally do, but I'm totally good with that. And um, I think I can speak for everybody and say, Sean, anytime you want to come back and talk about Sandman, you are welcome. Well, we'll definitely uh, try to keep up with you guys. So, uh, also, you know, the which we'll ask you to promote anything you got coming up here in a minute. But uh, obviously, the next Kokomo Con is a few months away. We'll definitely try to have you back on leading up to that so we can talk about that. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we do our final wind down, where can we find everybody on social media if we want to do that? We will start off here with uh, JPP. Where can we find you? I can be found at justplainpaul.com. That's not what it says there, but that's my main website. Uh, feel free to stop by. I'm working on some content, working on uh, putting together a mail- mailing list and uh, music and tidbits, all that fun stuff. Uh, you can also find me under my other pseudonym, The Phoenix Supernova. Uh, I've got two remixes out for Beauty and Chaos, working on some more stuff under that moniker as well. And uh, looking forward to the sonic chaos that continues. Yes. Mr. Mundy. Uh, it's easiest to find me on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. You can see right there. It's M-U-N-D-Y. Say hi. Why? Because we like him. All right. Let's have uh, Mr. Hilton tell us about his live shows. Comics Cubed again. Uh, Real Brick and Mortar store. And every five, every Wednesday at 530 uh, we have a live show. We go on Facebook. We use the exact same format that is used here on uh, Wool Gatherings. And uh, we sell comics. It's like I said, QVC meets uh, a comic book show. Uh, a couple of, as I said, uh, Monday helps out. A couple of friends help out. So it's us selling books. It's also us chit-chatting at the same time. We, uh, you know, t- 
take questions. And basically, you get me ranting while I'm selling comics. And I have been uh, nicknamed the random fact guy, apparently. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> started calling me that. You got some good random but... facts, buddy. Yeah. I like it. You give good fact. So, oh. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it works out. Uh, unfortunately, this Wednesday, we're going to take off so that uh, Monday and his wife can go out to dinner with us. But also so we can prep for the Saturday show. We're going to have a try to have an extra big uh, show this coming Saturday. So Big blowout. Wait, what? You can always find us at... Uh, on Facebook at Comics Cubed in Kokomo. Yep. And Comics. I always enjoy the midday check-ins that happen throughout the week as well. Oh yeah, the the we've got our uh, our basement guy, you know, he pops on every once in a while and tries to sell you some books too. Yep. Always oh, some cool yes. finds for sure. He's a good so, dude. Yep. And uh, let me just say if you're really wanting something, respond quick because sometimes yep. there's lag in the internet and uh, somebody may have already posted V when you posted it and it shows up to them before you. So, no. Hey, yeah. I've been there when they do this, Paul. When your name pops up, they just say, screw it. Ignore it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Paul, you just missed it. Yes, I know. That's crazy. I know. Paul would get uh, special treatment. <laughs> what we should do, you know, you had that wheel you were spinning a couple times or whatever. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. We should put Shirtless Monday on there as a. Oh, it's right. good. People will love it. Right next yes. to date with Ed. Ed will be happy if we take off uh, haikus from Ed and we put on Shirtless Monday, does the dance or something. So no shuffle, one needs shuffle. to see that. Oh. Nope. Random shuffle, facts shuffle. from Shirtless Monday. <laughs> put on your shades, people. That's fantastic. He can be shirtless and just read from an encyclopedia. For like an hour. Encyclopedia Lethargica. If someone's <laughs> willing to pay me for this, if we can somehow monetize this, I'll consider it. We just did. Sean makes money. You do the deal. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Works. Oh, you know, it turns out I work for store credit. So there you go. Everybody wins. There's a little bonus credit every time. There's some head. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, too good. All right. Well, I am Foggy. You can find me at Foggy's Pal on Instagram and on Twitter. Be sure to check out Comics Cube live shows on Comics Cubed in Kokomo Facebook page, 5.30 on Wednesdays, 6 o'clock on Saturdays. You can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, and SoundCloud. And you can find album, movie, TV, and comics reviews at you guessed it, wanderingsandwoolgathering.com. See you next week for episode 109 when we talk about Sandman issue number two and we review the new album from Envy of None, the new group from Russia's Alex Lifeson. Can't wait to check that out. Until then, we will see you next week. Be sure to read up on Sandman so you can join the conversation. Bye now. Everybody dance. Not doing it shirtless. I didn't get a dance. Everybody take your shirt off, quick.